my prayer and my cry all week for you all this morning has been that we would just cry out to God and that he would rain down on us. As I told the other service, this past week has been the worst week of my entire life. I just had a lot to deal with. And I walked in here this morning and normally I'm super excited about baptism and just full heart open this morning. I walked in and I said, I'm not even excited to be here. But we pray to staff in my office like we do every Sunday morning. Right before first service, we pray together. And Brandon prayed a prayer that I remember. I'm not going to get his exact words, but he asked God that, that God would transform me as soon as I walk out of my office. And I walked out of my office, and I'm ready to celebrate new life this morning with baptism. We had a couple baptisms in first service. We've got a couple this service, but we're going to start baptism right now. But go ahead, high five three people around you. Welcome them this morning, and you can have a seat. All right. Hey, what was really cool is uh, what we did in the other service was I'm going to invite everyone, not yet, but after this service, that if you've been baptized in this baptismal, that we would love to get your signature all around the outside. You can see some of the first service people started to do that. But you can go ahead and come up and write your signature all over. Because what I would love to do, and what we at Radiant Life would love to do, is when this whole tank gets full of signatures, we want to take this tank apart and some way, somehow, hang this on our wall in a cool look design of remembering everyone who's been baptized in this tank. And then we build another one, and we do the same thing again. And we do it again and again and again, every time. All right? So there's markers down here. So at the end of the service, you can make your way up here and write your name, mark your name somewhere, preferably not on the letters, but anywhere on the sides or the front. And uh, we're going to get started this morning. Taylor, are you ready? All right. All right, Brandon's going to help you get in. Oh, look at you. You can just get right in. All right. You can sit, right? <laughs> He's like... She did your job, man. <laughs> Taylor, have you put your faith and trust into Jesus Christ? Yes. yes. And it's an honor and privilege uh, by the proclamation of your faith in him. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> Bill. There you are. <laughs> Don't get me, though. <laughs> you need my hand. It's warm. Thank you. Here, I'll help you. Uh -huh. no, oh, okay. there you go. Because the teenager didn't need any help, but you do, huh? <laughs> I'm not implying anything, though. <laughs> Bill, have you put your faith and trust into Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I have. You have. And it's an honor and privilege, Bill, that I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
got it. Awesome. One of the things that we like to do here at Radiant Life is to open it up to anyone who wished you would have signed up. I'm excited I'm up here now. Thank you. <laughs> just to open it up to anyone who's just feeling, man, I should have signed up and I knew I should have signed up. Is there anyone that would love to get baptized? We've got extra shirts in the back. There's extra towels. You just, we don't have extra pants for you. <laughs> Who is this? Salix. Hey, buddy. How are you? <laughs> How are you? Here we go. Do you see all the people? You know what? I'm, I'll just, I'm just going to sprinkle it over your head, buddy. That'd be all right. <laughs> He's like, Mom, please take him away from the scary man. Yeah, how you doing? Can I get a high five? Yeah, that looks pretty. <laughs> uh-uh, that is not happening. Can I just, can I sprinkle some water on you? That'd be all right. All right, Salix, here. I'm going to say a prayer over you and sprinkle some water on you, okay? All right, you ready? Can we pray for Salix here, everyone? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I just dedicate Salix to you, God. I just pray as this boy grows up, I just pray that he would find his salvation in you, God. We just ask for a huge special blessing on his life as he grows up. I just pray that he finds his purpose in his life, knowing that his creator loves him so much. God, we're going to celebrate that day when family comes back and says, Salix put his faith in you. And God, we just celebrate the awesome things that you have in store for him. So grant the parents wisdom as they raise him, as they raise him in a godly home to find Jesus. And we ask this in your name. Amen. There you go, buddy. Got you a little wet. How's that? Huh? <laughs> Mom. I won't drop you in, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Anyone else? <laughs> All right, if not, let's stand and we're going to continue to worship this morning. I'm going to lead us in prayer and we're going to continue in song. Father, we just thank you for the new life. We thank you for, from the teenagers to adults to kids, just taking the next step of dedication, of baptism. God, we thank you so much that we can be made new. That we don't have to walk around with sin, with shame in our lives. That we can be set free. And we thank you so much for new life for people who've surrendered their life to you to take their next steps. Saying, I'm going public with my faith. God, you are awesome. You are amazing. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name. Sorry, a little business meeting. Well, good to see everyone here this morning. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. No one's saying anything. 
<laughs> hey, we're on our summer teaching series titled 10, and it's going to be an 11-part series, and this is only part three, so we're just into this. This, this is new to us, and we've been looking at the Ten Commandments found in the second book of the Bible known as, what's the second book of the Bible? Exodus. There you go. And remember, last week, we looked at two of them. We combined them as one, but we looked at two of them, and the goal was just to know them, right? We may not live them out fully, but just to be aware of what the Ten Commandments are. How many of you enjoy or like golf or putt-putt? Some. How many of you do not even like the game? You're like, that is, I know they'll be playing that in hell, right? And some of you are like, that's the game. I did not say that. Don't tweet that. <laughs> it's getting hot up here. <clears throat> but here's a, a, a shot in golf. This is known as what? A gimme. Sometimes your ball gets so close to the hole that you don't have to put this in. It's so, I mean, you can't miss that, right? You're going to hit that thing in. It's why it's called a gimme shot. And I don't know about you, but when I play golf, my, even when I'm, I'm six feet away from the hole, and I'm like, guys, this is a gimme, right? You know, you like, no, you got to put that, Ryan. All right. But this is a gimme shot. I think that there's one out of the ten commandments that we've been looking at that's a gimme shot. It's the one that you're like, okay, I probably won't break that one. Like, that one's a good one. Here's a list of the ten paraphrased for us. No other gods, no graven images. We combined those last week and looked at those two. And for most of us, if you were here, you got this card, what's your God? And we talked about how in our lives we put other things above God. We looked at counterfeit gods in our lives. And then we have images of them from a computer to the makeup and jewelry to sports to pornography to alcohol, whatever that be. And we asked for this series that you bring in your God. You can start, there's a little pile going on right there. Just put it in a sack or something. Bring it in. If you're like, oh, I can't. How do I represent it? Print it out on a piece of paper or words or whatever and bring it in. But we looked at those two, and then for the rest of our time together, we're going to look at each of these one at a time, but do not misuse the Lord's name. Keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. And we're not going to go in order. We're going to hop around. But I think one of these is that gimme shot like in golf. I think it's commandment number six. Do not murder. Now, I've been very, very angry at people before. Have you? Like, very angry. But the thought never crossed my mind, I should murder them. Thoughts have been, I should harm them. <laughs> but I never crossed that threshold to say, I think I should murder them. Why is do not murder in the ten? This morning, we're going to dive into a couple conversations, but I really want to know, why do God's people need in their top 10, don't murder each other? And why do we need it in our top 10? So I'm going to have a couple conversations with you, four conversations this morning to help us understand this idea of do not murder. And I think Jesus, when we'll get to that conversation, elevates this 
do not murder to a whole level, another level that we may have never even thought about. So let's have our first conversation together. The first conversation is the violence. They were a violent group of people that God's delivering. They've been slaves for 430 years in what's known as Egypt, right? Here they are, 430 years, generation after generation after generation in slavery, working 24-7, seeing all the Egyptian gods, all the idols. And here they are, and a guy by the name of Moses, by the name of who? Moses is going to lead them out of Egypt into the Sinai Peninsula to Mount Sinai, where God's going to meet Moses and give him the Ten Commandments. And eventually, Moses won't make it to the Promised Land. Moses will die, and Joshua will actually lead them into the Promised Land, known as Canaan, or present-day Israel. And this is the land flowing with milk and honey. It's awesome. But when we looked last week, there's gods and idols here, and there's gods and idols here. And God's first commandment, no other gods, no idols. I'm to be your one and only. And here Moses, Moses is a Hebrew. He's part, right now, they're not known as the Israelites yet. They're known as the Hebrew people, God's people. And he's a Hebrew, but he's not in slavery. In fact, he's in royalty. He's been adopted by the Egyptian princess. So he's watching his own people, the Hebrew people, be beaten and flogged every day, working their tails off while he's in the palace. And we're going to pick up a story in Exodus chapter 2, if you want to turn there. Exodus chapter 2, second book of the Bible. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. And we're going to find out more about this violence that's taking place, that they're insaturated with. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, begins this way. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them in their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian what, friends? So here he is. He's in the palace probably. He's watching his own people, realizing I'm not an Egyptian. I just got adopted by an Egyptian princess. I'm here, and those are my people. And an Egyptian person is beating one of my own. And in verse 12, looking this way and that and seeing no one, he what, friends? He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. This is Moses. This is going to be the leader, the one that's going to deliver you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, into freedom with God. You're a murderer. And now you're hiding the murder scene. Let's hide him in the sand. And the story just takes off from here. The next day, he, referring to Moses, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Right? There's fighting amongst you. Why are you hitting each other? You got to stop it. Right? It's like kids in the back seat. Right? You're driving. You're like, stop hitting. Why are you hitting each other? Just stop it. The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of what? Killing me as you killed the Egyptian. I imagine Moses is like, uh-oh. They saw that. They saw my rage and anger that when I murdered that Egyptian. And now they're sitting there asking if I'm going to do the same to them. 
Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled Pharaoh and went to live in the Midian. The violence. 430 years of slavery, and slavery is so ugly, it is so violent, it is so brutal, it is so dehumanizing. And now Moses, the leader that God's going to use, you're a murderer. And it's just saturated with violence. And they're going to leave Egypt, not as a ruly, or not as a ruly ordered followers of God, but as an unruly mob of ex-slaves who doesn't know what it looks like to follow this God that rescues them. Their whole world has been violence. Brick after brick, they're getting beaten, some beaten to death, some starved to death, some worked to death, and violence flooded their history. And God says, I'm going to deliver you, but you need to know how to live in my bounds. And I live with people who are free, who are rescued. I love them and I treat them with value. And they have to understand, you're not to kill each other. Treat people the way I treat people. Commandment number six, do not murder. Full of violence in their history. But that leads me to our second conversation. Why? But why is murdering wrong? Why is taking a life wrong? Well, we find this in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. This is what Genesis says. Whoever sheds human blood, by human shall their blood be shed. For in the, can we read this together? For in the image of God has, made, has God made mankind. Here it's saying, you don't kill because you are an image bearer of your creator. And you don't devalue the image of God. You are a masterpiece of the most creative artist there is. And God's saying, my stamp, my image is on you. Do not kill each other. I want to show you a picture of, anyone know who this is? This is Vincent Van Gogh. And this is his self-portrait. He, he did his own self-portrait here. And do you know how much this sold for uh, about 15 years ago or so? $71.5 million for that. I wouldn't even hang that up in my bathroom. <laughs> it's kind of ugly if you ask me, but. You know why it was so expensive? Because it had the image of the artist. It had the image of Van Gogh. You have so much value in your life. You are God's masterpiece. And God is saying, I've taken you out of all that violence, that horrible stuff, whether it was fighting, whether it was killing. And yes, your leader was a murderer, but you're my masterpiece. Stop hurting each other. Stop it. And some of us this morning, we don't feel like a masterpiece. You're like, I'm the furthest away from God's artwork right now. 
I want you to know your Heavenly Father is still looking down, smiling, loving, and cherishing you. He loves you so much. Don't ever forget that when you don't feel like a masterpiece. How much more are you worth than this $71.5 million picture to your Heavenly Father? And God's saying, I'm, I'm taking you out of this horrible situation into freedom, but I want you to value and treat people the way I do. Have my heart for people. Which leads to our third conversation this morning. Jesus. I want to know, what does Jesus have to say? Does he speak anywhere in those four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those four that start our Newer Testament, does Jesus say anything about murdering? Well, in fact, he does, or it wouldn't be on the screen. <laughs> in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is in the Sea of Galilee region where he does 80% of his ministry, and he's up on a hillside speaking to the crowds. They're enjoying his teaching. He's full of passion. He's full of energy. He's full of new ideas and things that they've never heard of. He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. And it's there where he's going to reference the, new, the Older Testament and reference, do not murder. And imagine sitting in the crowd as Jesus is speaking, and he says these words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You've heard that it was said, you have heard that it was said to these people long ago. And you're sitting there going, Yep, we know Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. We know the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law. We have that memorized. We know. It's sitting there going, okay, Jesus, where are you going to take us next? And Jesus says this. Can we read those four words together? You shall not murder. He gives us the Ten Commandments right here, number six. Jesus says, you heard that it was said, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And we would all be sitting there saying, yeah, we know the Ten Commandments, Jesus. We know exactly what you're talking about. And then Jesus says, but I tell you, this is, uh-oh. Anytime you read this in Scripture, when Jesus says, but I tell you, Jesus is going to elevate what you've already heard. Oh, snap. This is the aw snaps statement of Jesus every single time you read this. And now you're on the edge of your seat. The people on the hillside are like, all right, we heard do not murder. Where are you going, Jesus? Where are you going? And this is where Jesus goes. But I tell you that anyone who is what? Anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. I sit there and I imagine, if I was there, I'd be like, Jesus, this is unfair. I mean, if someone cuts me off in traffic and I get angry, you're saying that's almost the equivalent of murdering someone? And my kids are acting up in the back seat, and I just need to vent a little bit. And I get angry that they're misbehaving. You're saying it's the equivalent of murdering someone? And it seems so unfair to equate, do not murder, but I tell you, anyone who's even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. 
For some of us, we know what anger is. It's in us. Oftentimes, we're just that time bomb, just waiting to tick, 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 and boom. This anger that Jesus is referring to, this anger is portable. It's an anger that we feed and we keep alive with our emotions and our thoughts. It's, in fact, I have a picture of this type of anger. It's like coals. And we're so good in our lives that we have a bad situation in our past and we have this bucket full of coals of our anger that happen and our hurt and pain and we carry this into the future with us. And now we've carried this into our current relationships. And you're carrying that box of coals with you because you remember when you lost your job back there couldn't stand the coworker that threw you under the bus. That boss that never promoted you. And you still have those coals with you. Or you remember that relationship that was broken. And that person who smeared your name. And you still have that anger. And we carry it. These coals that are still hot with us. And the dangerous thing of doing that, it just takes a little spark to ignite the flames again. And now that we carry these coals into our relationships now, we have the potential of hurting friends, hurting our coworkers and our neighbors and family members and our kids and our grandkids because we weren't willing to let this go. And now we've put all future relationships almost at a standstill because we're one trigger away from blowing up in anger again. And for some of us this morning, we just need to take this back and say, God, I'm putting this down. Everything that happened in the past, I don't want to affect my current relationships now. I'm letting that go. But it's hard, isn't it? And Jesus says, You've heard it said, don't murder. But I tell you, don't even get angry with a brother or sister. And Jesus isn't done with that. He's still on the hillside. Which brings us to our last conversation. Words. And we know words kill. Words hurt. And Jesus is going to share something powerful after he says, do, you've heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you, anyone who you get angry with, with a brother or sister, same judgment. And this is what Jesus continues in Matthew 5. And he says this, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, turn to your neighbor and say, Raka. Turn to your other neighbor and call them Raka. All right, so now we just said a word, we have no idea what it means. This is, this is that Greek word that means empty-headed, a.k.a. in our language, stupid or idiot. So now you've got to apologize to your neighbor, right? We don't want to carry this around. Hey, the pastor said to call you an idiot, sorry. <laughs> Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, empty-headed, stupid, idiot, is answerable to the court. 
And then he says, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Whoa, Jesus. Yeah. Don't murder, don't get angry, because with anger comes words, and you're going to go in places you don't want to go to. You will hurt people deeply, and you don't want to go there. And in fact, James, the half-brother of Jesus, talks about this idea in his letter that we have in the Newer Testament called James. In James chapter 3, verse 5, this is what the brother of Jesus says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest fire is set on what? Fire by a small spark. James' illustration is your tongue is great. It's part of your body, but think of a great forest. It can be set on fire by a small spark, and that's what your tongue does. Here's a picture of a forest fire in California. Just devastation. Imagine this picture. This used to be full of vegetation, full of life, full of greenery, full of little creatures scurrying on the ground and in the trees. And now it's completely devastated. And James is saying, this is what you do to people with your tongue. You destroy them. And Jesus warns us, you don't want to go here with your anger and your words. He's equating this with murder. We all know the power of words. Have you ever unleashed devastation like this on someone? That coworker smeared your name and you said, I'm getting you back and I, you smear their integrity and you gossip about them, you're doing this. You're destroying them. And God says, you don't murder because they have my image stamped on their soul. We're not to do this. And Jesus says, this is the same as murdering someone. Watch your words and your anger. Or you do that with your kid and you tell your kid to pack certain things in the car and the van and you get out of your driveway and you go and you're like, did you grab the fishing poles? And they're like, no, I forgot. And you said, you stoop. Devastation. God warns us about it. Jesus warns, warns us about it. And James, the brother of Jesus, warns about words. See, I thought this was the gimme putt, the gimme of the ten. I've shared before, I've, I have, I've had anger issues where when I was dating my wife, she said she would not marry me unless I got my anger under control. Because I can be good with words. And I'm at fault for doing this on people. And Jesus is going to come and he says, I'm not done. I need to drive the point home a little more. And here's what Jesus continues in his teaching. He says, therefore, if you are offering a gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be what, friends? 
First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now remember, Jesus is in the Sea of Galilee region giving this. So we have to understand how important what these two verses are. Here's a map of where Jesus is. Satellite image of Israel. He's up there at the Sea of Galilee. 80% of ministry happening there. Do you know where Jesus says, hey, you're going to go and bring your gift to the altar. The altar is in the temple. Where's the temple? Jerusalem. Do you know where Jerusalem is? I'll show you. It's 80 miles. First century world, you traveled on foot. No more than 12 miles a day. That's a week's journey. And Jesus is telling everyone who understands in their mindset, Jesus is saying, when you leave here and you come here and you get there to worship and set your gift on the altar and you remember you have something against your brother and sister, leave it there, come back up, be reconciled, make it right with your brother and sister, then come back down, then you can offer your gift, then you can go back home. That's inconvenient, God. Because I'm a farmer, I'm a business, I'm a fisherman. I can't spend three more weeks away from my business. And all on the hillside, I can imagine the people going, are you serious, Jesus? Do you see the power of reconciliation Jesus wants in our lives? And he's saying no, because our anger in words can destroy people. And there is no relationships destroyed in God's family. We do everything in our power to restore and reconcile relationships. Doesn't mean it will always be good. No, but you've done your part of forgiveness, so you're not carrying the coals and anger anymore to ruin your current relationships. But we've done everything in our power just to say, I've restored, I've reconciled. I've done my part. And that anger isn't there anymore. Praise team, you can begin to make your way up. I want to ask a question. Is there a relationship in your life that's just broken? It's just, it hurts. And you can feel those coals. You have that anger that Jesus talks about. And you know you're carrying the anger. And Jesus says, your anger, it will be words, and your words destroy people. We have to let this go. We have to be willing to set it aside and say, I give it to you, God. And maybe it's going back and you pick it back up and say, God, I got to give this back. I got to give this back. Every time you think of that person, it's, God, I got to give this back to you. I can't carry this anymore. But do you know where our words actually come from? Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 15, this is what Jesus says as I wrap up. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the what? Heart. And these defile them. This whole do not murder and do not be angry in our words will be devastating. This whole commandment is a heart issue. Because we know what it's like to get hurt by people. 
So let our heart just be heavy. Pick up those coals and carry on. Jesus says, you don't want to do that. You're going to do things you wish you never did. You're going to go to places you wished you never went to. Put the coals down. For some of us this morning in a room full of people, we carry a lot of things. And we're just going to create a time for us to just say, God, what's in my heart? Because I don't want to go home and get into a conversation with someone and then me explode and I realize the things that come out of my mouth come from my heart. I want to make sure that you have searched every inch of my heart to help me have pure thoughts, a pure heart. Because I don't want to be angry. Because my anger turns to words. My words turn into devastation. The team's going to lead us into a song called Judge of the Secrets. My heart and prayer for you during this song is that you would just start asking God to search. Is there anything? Maybe there's stuff down there that you didn't even realize was down there. You're like, hey, that's why I've been exploding. I'm going to invite you, you don't have to, but you can stand and sing, you can sit and sing, you can sit and kneel or just pray, whatever. But allow this song to minister to your heart. I'm going to pray us into this song. God, we just give you our hearts this morning. For some of us, we look at that image of that devastation of a forest fire. And some of us can say, I've done that to someone. And others of us can say, that's me right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak into our hearts right now, wherever we're at. To speak truth, just to say, those are, it's that anger, those are those coals you're carrying. That bitterness, that unforgiveness just got to let go and give it to me. Father, will you speak to us? Search me, God. This is just our continued act of worship here at Radiant Life Church. And um, let's let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, I know that I'm wrestling with some stuff. And there's no denying that your Holy Spirit is here. And maybe we're just absolutely wrecked this morning. 
together. You know everything about us. And maybe we're wrestling right now for the fact that there's an offering plate getting ready to go by. Maybe we're angry about that. Lord, continue to shape and mold us. We sing words like repent. And it's the idea that we've been doing things in our own mindset and our own thought, but we need to repent and think of a new way. And Lord, you're showing us that. And so Lord, I pray that you continue to do that work in us and in our hearts. But Lord, I am beyond grateful. We celebrated new life this morning in both services. And we praise you and we thank you for that. church who is God first and we praise you. We praise you for the number on the back wall of salvations. And so Lord, we praise you and we thank you for that. Lord, thank you for this body who makes you first. Lord, you're not after our money. You're not after our wallet. But Lord, we just want to surrender every aspect of our life to you this morning. And so we give you this offering. Give us wisdom and discernment to further your kingdom. Lord Jesus, continue to have your hand of anointment on Radiant Life Church. We give you the praise, we give you the honor, and all of the glory. As the plate passes you by, would you stand with me and worship? Um, I shared first service, and I want to share with you, I sat right there last night and had a really angry moment with God. I was so angry with him. I was angry about family things. I was angry about work things. I was angry about myself things. And I am so thankful that we have a God who takes us in those moments and who makes us new. And I don't think it was by accident that we celebrated new life today and that God can make us new. And I love that. And I love that we have a pastor who, despite having a terrible week, still walks in the spirit and gets up here and does what he knows God has called him to do. I'm so thankful. Thank you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Patricia. I'm the kids and creative arts pastor here at Radiant Life. And speaking of kids, we um, said goodbye to Joan Keat this week, who had an amazing impact on our kid ministry. Um, and her uh, celebration of life is tomorrow at 1.30. So if you want to join us for that, I know she would love it, and we are celebrating new life with her because she's celebrating with Jesus, and that's something to get together and celebrate about. Hey, thanks for coming out. Radiant Kids Camp starts tonight. We have now 94 kids registered for this, so we are pumped. And we just pray that you continually sing throughout the week that the Lord would just rain down on you and that your soul would continue to long for him because he is good and he makes you new over and over again. Have a great rest of the week.